Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. As you can see, my partner in crime is not with me today. Alex is busy, so you get one half of the Positive Sports Podcast team, and that would be me. Uh, As always, folks, if you want to reach out to the show, you want to get in touch with us and talk a little sports or talk about whatever, really, you can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com, positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of my brother Alex, you can do so on the Twitter sphere at BrooklynGaucho1. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter as well, at eMontana21. As always, folks, you can catch this show on YouTube so that you can see our beautiful faces, or... You can listen to us on Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Don't forget Spotify, uh, iTunes. Yeah, basically all of the 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 normal popular podcast platforms. Okay, so now that we have all that out of the way, <clears throat> let me start off by saying I hope everyone had a very happy Easter weekend. If you don't celebrate Easter, I hope you had a very happy weekend. Whatever weekend it was for you, I hope it was a good one. Personally, I love Easter weekend because, you know, the candy starts flowing. And for those of you that know me, I don't have a sweet tooth. I have sweet teeth. They're all sweet. I love sweets. I love all kinds of sweets. I love chocolate. I love candy. I love sour candy. I love sweet, sweet candy. There's no such thing as too sweet for me. And so the Easter Bunny came through, as he does every year. They really ought to stop calling him the Easter Bunny. They ought to start calling him like the Diabetes Bunny. You know what I'm saying? Because the amount of sugar in this house is insane. And I'm going to eat all of it. My son and I are going to eat all of it. He's pretty good with the sugar too. Like, uh, you know, he's very obviously my son. Um, Because he's big on the sugar. He's been eating, I mean, he's been pounding candy for the last day and a half. And quite frankly, I'm not far behind. Now, for him, it's not a big deal. He's young. He burns it off. You know, he's not going to get fat. Me, on the other hand, hmm. The engine doesn't burn quite like it used to. So, when you're damn near 50, you got to push away from the candy. But yeah, the diabetes bunny came through and dropped off all kinds of sugar. And look... I mentioned earlier, I like all kinds of candy. I don't discriminate, right? I Chocolate, uh, you know, jelly beans. I mean, it, it does not matter. It does not matter. White chocolate, dark chocolate, regular chocolate, milk chocolate, chocolate milk. I don't care. I love chocolate. On the sweet side, I mean, jelly beans, peeps. Oh, my God. Peeps. Whoever made Peeps was thinking about me when they made them. They had to have. They had to have. They had to have been thinking specifically about me. I can take those Peeps. You know, they come in the little packages, a little sleeve. It's got like four of them. I stick all four of them in my mouth at the same time. And so I have this massive ball of marshmallow and sugar in my mouth. I look like Catfish Hunter. For those of you who watch, who have watched baseball for a long time and, and remember the picture for the A's and the Yankees in the 70s, Catfish Hunter. Catfish Hunter had a softball size, a, a softball size of tobacco in his mouth when he pitched. That's what I look like with peeps. I shove all four of them in my mouth at once. And sometimes I try to enjoy it, right? Sometimes I try to enjoy it. I eat one peep at a time. And so that way it lasts two minutes instead of two seconds. But yeah, peeps, I love Shove all four of them in my mouth. And now they got all these wacky flavors. When I was a kid, it was just the yellow ones, which was just marshmallow and sugar. Now they put some kind of special sugar on them. They put fruit punch sugar on them. So it's like sugar squared, right? Sugar times two, for those of you who are not math inclined. It is like, it's a ridiculous amount of sugar. But it tastes 
just like fruit punch. I mean, it's delicious. And I promise you, if those sleeves had eight, I could shove eight of them in my mouth at once. At one time. Like, the whole thing. And I look like Catfish Hunter. If if those peeps cause cancer the way tobacco does, I'd have cancer by about noon on Easter Sunday. <clears throat> yeah. The diabetic bunny, or the diabetes bunny, stops by this house, and it is on. It is on. Jelly beans... I eat jelly beans one at a time, or sometimes two at a time. If I get multi-assorted colors, I'll, I'll like grab a handful and then eat one color at a time. Because that's how crazy I am. But I will eat all of the jelly beans. Don't care. And now they got jelly beans with nerds on them. Like the, the nerd jelly beans. So the outer crust is like nerds, and then the inside is jelly bean. I'm telling you, the diabetes bunny stopped by here yesterday. Oh, and then Easter's got to be the best candy holiday. I mean, I understand that we do trick-or-treating. We get a lot of candy on, on, on Halloween, but it's different. It's a different, it's a different vibe for Easter Sunday because you got all those little eggs. You got to find the candy. You feel like you've worked for it, and so you eat them all. Then, then you got, like, we are talking earlier about chocolate. So then you got those Cadbury... Easter eggs. They're chocolate, right? When I was a kid, they had the chocolate shell and then the egg yolk on the inside, right? It had, it had, uh, you know, white and yellow to make like the, 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 the yolk, but, but it's, but it was just creamy sugar, right? That's all it was. Now those eggs, you know, they're a good size. But as you heard earlier, if I can shove four peeps in my mouth at one time, you damn well know I can shove an entire Cadbury egg in my mouth and eat it. And sometimes that's what I do. Sometimes I nibble on it. Sometimes I eat the whole damn thing. Now, and that those are the eggs that came when I was a kid. Now you get all kinds of eggs. You get a dark chocolate egg. You get an egg. Now you get a Cadbury egg that instead of being filled with just white and yellow sugar, they fill it with caramel. With caramel. More sugar. Yeah, I eat those by the fistful. Okay? Like, these Easter chickens, they gotta be dropping those eggs left and right just for me. And the ones with caramel... Come on. Again, take that tinfoil off, pop the whole damn thing in my mouth. Love it. It's like eating an entire Milky Way with no nougat. Because the nougat is bullshit, right? We all know this. We all know that the nougat in a Milky Way is bullshit. It's just air. It's just air with a little bit of chocolate. It's air. It's bullshit. But you get one of these Cadbury eggs, and if you get one that's especially full, it's all caramel in there. Come on. Again, that diabetes bunny dropped off all the candy around here yesterday. Sour candy? I eat all the sour candy too. I don't care. They got those twin snakes now. One sour, one sweet. I'm like, fine. It's all candy. I'll eat it. Gummy gummy worms or whatever. Gummy bears. It's on in this house. It is on in this house. So, I hope everyone had a fantastic Easter weekend. If you don't celebrate Easter, hey, go to the store and get you some candy anyway. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't celebrate Hanukkah. But if there was a a Hanukkah aisle at the store and it was full of candy like it is for Easter, you best believe this boy would be walking around the Hanukkah aisle getting ready to celebrate eight crazy nights, as Adam Sandler said. I'd be buying me some Hanukkah candy. I don't give a shit. Alright, look, I respect Jewish people. I'm going to celebrate your holiday too if you have some candy. That's just the way I roll. So if there's a candy holiday, if you have a diabetes menorah, I'm in. We got a diabetes bunny, I'm in. 
you got, you know, whatever other kind of holiday you want to celebrate. If it's got candy, I'm in. I'm in. That's just me. Right? I mean, I'll be celebrating. I don't care. If there's candy involved, I'm celebrating. I'll be the first one in line. I go to the grocery store around Christmas time. There's a Hanukkah aisle and it's full of candy. Come on. You best believe your boy will be the first one up in there. Eating all of that candy. So again, hope everyone had a fantastic Easter. Hope you don't end up with diabetes. Hope you enjoyed some candy responsibly, unlike unlike my, myself. And if you don't celebrate Easter, I hope you got some candy and you had a great weekend as well. So, let's move on. The topic, look, the main thing to look at the last couple of weeks... <clears throat> has been this NCAA tournament, and it has been a lot of fun. Um, You know, props to the NCAA. They did it in a bubble, right, which is tough, right? Three weeks in a bubble for the teams that end up going to the Final Four. It's tough. It's not easy. They did one for the women as well in San Antonio, the, the men in Indianapolis, the women in San Antonio. The women's tournament ended last night on a fantastic game between Stanford and Arizona. Props to the Stanford women who won by one in the championship game. Uh, <clears throat> lack of props to the NCAA for doing a Final Four promo with all four teams except Arizona. So they had South Carolina and Stanford and UConn in the promo and not Arizona. Look, Arizona was a three seed. It's not like they were a 13 seed and you didn't think they were going to make it. A three seed has a decent shot to make it. And you don't have them in the promo? That's effed up. NCAA. Get your shit together. Come on. You're going to tell me you couldn't put a few pictures of the Wildcats in there? That's straight up disrespectful. And I think they played with a chip on their shoulder because they went out and they beat UConn in the, in the national semifinal and gave Stanford everything they wanted in that championship game. It came down to a final shot and Stanford won. <clears throat> so, hats off to the Stanford women. Hats off to the NCAA for doing the bubble. I think it works. It's a good idea for these tournaments. Um, On the men's side, you know, my brother has said this over and over again, that the lack of fans affects the teams, affects the players. And I've always been of the opinion that it doesn't. Like, it's not that big a deal. When I played as a kid, I played high school, uh, I played baseball and volleyball, and I didn't care about the fans. I didn't care if my parents were there. I mean, sure, I wanted them there. I wanted them to see me play, but it wasn't a big deal to me. I didn't play better or worse. I played balls to the wall regardless of who was there. It could have been no fans, and I didn't care. I was going to play my ass off because that's just the way I played. My brother may be different. Maybe he played better or worse when, when mom and dad were around. I don't know. But he's, he's always said that it... he's always wondered what effect it had on the players, on the teams, in baseball, in football. In every sport, he always brings it up. And, and, you know, it's a fair point. And I think in this tournament, we could kind of see it. Because while we had some upsets, I I, I don't feel like we had the same number of upsets that we've had in previous tournaments. Sure, Ohio State got knocked off in the first round. They were a two-seed coming into the tournament, and they got bumped off. Uh, by Oral Roberts. Okay, yeah, that's a huge upset. I get it. But it just didn't seem like there were that many of them. Uh, Loyola Chicago is an 8 seed, you know, knocked off Illinois to make it to the Sweet 16. Okay. Um, Oregon State, a 12 seed, made it to, to the Elite Eight. Okay, I get it. But it just didn't feel like the same number of upsets. And the other thing... It didn't feel like there were a whole lot of buzzer beaters. Now, I could be wrong. I didn't watch every single game. The schedule was a little bit different than normal, so it kind of messed me up, and I, and I missed some games. Heck, I almost missed Michigan, Michigan games. Uh, I'll tell you how messed up I was. Not to mention, you know, we've been busy lately. So so maybe the maybe being in the bubble for two weeks or three weeks or, or, or a weekend or whatever – Maybe it did have an effect on people, on, on the players, on these college athletes. I don't know. But <clears throat> we still got some fantastic games. Great games to watch. Um, you know, U of H played really well in the tournament, made it to the Final Four. Uh, Baylor obviously went through their bracket, made it to the Final Four. Gonzaga, who has been beating 
everybody by double digits all season long has made it made it all the way to the final four in the final game which is tonight and the real sleeper to make the final four was UCLA look UCLA was not just an 11 seed they were an 11 seed that had to come in through the playing game in that one of those first four games one of those stupid first four games and if you recall it was against Michigan State and they were down I want to say they were down 10. 12 points at one point. They were down at the half. They had to come back. Eventually, it went into overtime, and they ended up winning that basketball game. Um, and then, really, just went on a, on a, on a terrific run uh, the rest of the way. You know, they beat a good BYU team. Um, they beat a good Alabama team. That game was, that was probably the game of the tournament. I mean, it was a back-and-forth game. Uh, UCLA up three, Alabama chucks a shot from just inside half court at the buzzer to tie it, send it into overtime, and then um, and then UCLA beats the brakes off of them in overtime. I think they ended up beating them by ten. Um, so they're they're the they're the one sleeper in the tournament that that kind of made it through. Everything else kind of went according to plan. Sure, there were some upsets here and there. I'm not saying there weren't any, but it did seem to go more along the lines of the seeds than it normally does, right? You always hear about those these 12 seeds knocking off five seeds, um, but it didn't it didn't seem to happen this year. And you know maybe it is because of the lack of fans. Uh, you know the players can hear their coaches better, and so the better teams have better players and better coaches, and you know they make it or they, they, they make it happen. I don't know. But <clears throat> really a fantastic tournament. And being in the bubble is the right thing to do. I think for tournaments like this, where it's one and done, I think having the bubble is the way to go. Now, you know, uh, we've seen different ways for this to happen. The NFL did no bubble, and, and it worked out fine. Um, the NBA did a bubble for the last... I don't know, six weeks of the season plus the playoffs. Hockey did the same thing. That was, you know, really early during this whole COVID pandemic. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, maybe they'll do something different uh, this time around. But the the bubble works. You don't want to mess with your playoff product. You know, it, it's just, you know, the games get so important. There's so much on the line for these teams, for these players. You don't want to risk it, and uh, the MLB did a bubble at the very end, right? For the uh, for the championship series and the World Series, they did a bubble. Um, I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but <clears throat> this has really worked out well for the NCAA, especially when you consider there's 68 teams in the tournament. To have it all in one location is is probably the best way to handle this. Now. It kind of sucks for other sites or other places that normally have games. Like here in Texas, we normally have, you know, uh, you know, a first round or a second round or a regional, right? Uh, so yeah, it sucks for us and it sucks for several other sites around the country. But you got to do what you got to do to make sure that the tournament goes on. So here we are now. We're down to the final two tonight. You have Gonzaga and Baylor playing for the whole ball of wax. It's very rare that the preseason number one and the preseason number two make it. Make it through the season, make it through the tournament, and show up uh, in the championship game. But that's what we're getting this year. It certainly feels right. Gonzaga's been Gonzaga's undefeated and has been dominant. I mean, it's just, just flat-out dominant. Um, I, you can count on one hand how many times they've won a game by less than 10 points. In fact, I, I think it's only happened twice all year. Uh, once being on Saturday against UCLA in overtime. Uh, you know, they... they Head and shoulders, in terms of performance, deserve to be here. And Baylor has gone through the same process, really. Now, Baylor did have a small hiccup late in the season. They had a week or two weeks. I think they had a little bit of, they had some COVID issues. And they, uh, they, you know, they they struggled a little bit. And by struggled, I mean they lost a game or two. I think they lost two games, if I'm not mistaken. Um... So, you know, they had those two teams have been the most dominant teams in college basketball this season, and they are deserving to be in the championship game. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a very, very good championship game this year. Um, you know, K 
Can you can you stop the transition offense of the Gonzaga Bulldogs? Can you stop the you know the the the, the scoring options that Baylor has? Everyone on that starting five scores and scores seemingly at will. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great to watch. Uh, Gonzaga really showed uh, some mental toughness. They were pushed by UCLA, pushed into overtime. Um, against a team that you know they, they certainly thought that they should have beaten, um, but they were pushed and they did their part. They fought through it and they have earned their right to be in this championship game. I think we're in for a fantastic championship game, and my prediction is that we are going to see one hell of a basketball game. How about that? That's my prediction. I predict that it's going to be really good. Is that a good prediction? I think that's a great prediction. You know, that look. I can't pick a winner, but I can tell you it's going to be a good basketball. I think it's going to be a great basketball game. Buckle up. Watch the game tonight. Do not miss it. Speaking of basketball, but really not basketball, you know, I I don't follow Twitter beefs very much, but sometimes I do because I think they're kind of funny. Like... I think Twitter beefs are silly, right? Because inevitably people say stuff that they would not normally say. They sit behind a screen at their keyboard knowing there's likely no consequence whatsoever to what they are about to say. And I and I say say in air quotes, because they're not saying it, they're typing it. It's going to show up on Twitter and look, everyone's going to look at what they said. They didn't say it, right? They wrote it. They wrote it. They sat behind a keyboard and wrote it, right? Because the conversation would be very different if it was face-to-face, right? It's just that simple. And the Twitter beef I'm talking about is Kevin Durant and Michael Rappaport. Now, I'm sure all of you that listen to the... Positive sports podcasts or sports fans and know who Kevin Durant is, right? A two-time NBA champion, league MVP, one of the one of the very best players in the league, an absolute stud basketball player. Likely, very likely to be a first ballot Hall of Famer whenever he hangs up his high tops. Right? We all know Kevin Durant. Now, what you might not know is who is Michael Rappaport? Right? You may be wondering who Michael, what is this Michael Rappaport guy? It's a pretty cool name if you ask me, Rappaport. Right? It, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but it sounds cool. Michael Rappaport is a comedian, he is an actor, and he is a humongous sports fan. Specifically, basketball fan. More specifically, a Knicks fan. So, where this comes in is Kevin Durant plays for the Nets. Michael Rappaport is a Knicks fan. Michael Rappaport talks a lot about basketball. A lot. Now, when Trump was president, he talked a lot about Trump, too, right? He he did not like Donald Trump, and he, he talked a lot of politics. But not anymore. Now, he, now, he, now he's off of that. He, he pretty much sticks to basketball because, well, he likes basketball, and... I don't know if he likes Biden or not, but it's just not, you know. We'll probably never have a president who is as much of a lightning rod as Donald Trump, okay? And that's the extent of my political rant today. (coughs) So, a while back, and this was a while ago, because I remember when this happened, Kevin Durant did one of those post-game interviews with Charles Barkley on TNT, And Charles Barkley asked him some questions, and I don't know, Kevin Durant had a bad day, Kevin Durant had something else on his mind, Kevin Durant didn't feel like talking, Kevin Durant didn't like the questions. Look, I don't know. But the fact is that Kevin Durant just gave a bunch of yes and no answers, right? There were yes and no questions, he didn't expand upon it, he just said yes, no, sure, yeah, you know, one word answers. And so some people got on to him. Some people got on to him about, oh, Kevin Durant, you know, what's the matter, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, they, 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 
You know how fans are. They'll say stuff. Well, Kevin Durant is not one to shy away from having a back and forth with fans on Twitter. Right? You'll remember years ago he got he, he kind of busted himself having a burner account. He talks trash to kids on Twitter. Again, it's Twitter. I, I don't know if Kevin Durant's a bad guy. I don't know if he's a tough guy. I don't know. I don't know Kevin Durant. But on Twitter, he lets it fly, right? Kind of like a three-pointer. He just lets it go. He's always in range. He's always inside half court. He's chucking it, right? Someone says something to him, and like the three, when he steps inside of, inside a half court, it, it's off. It's off. He's, he's shooting. Shoot or shoot. And he does the same thing on Twitter. So <clears throat> he gets into this DM exchange with Michael Rappaport, <clears throat> and it's pretty nasty. And it's, I don't, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably a solid 8, 9, you know. There's some threats of physical harm in there, 1 or 2. There's a com- There's a comment about Rappaport's wife, but it's not a derogatory comment. It's more like a reference to his wife. You, you know, your wife, you know, has to support you or something like that. It's not... It's not like he called her ugly or anything like that or said he was going to do anything to her, you know. It's, so, it wasn't, it was just kind of, the whole thing was really kind of dumb. The whole thing was kind of dumb. And part of the problem, right, is Kevin Durant is black and Michael Rappaport is white. And so, you've got some, some disparaging comments Related to appearance between them. There's some homophobic comments in there. But this is all via DM. And now for some reason, Michael Rappaport decides that he's going to publish it. Like he's going to put it on his regular Instagram, on his Instagram story, on his Twitter. I don't I don't even know what. But he decides he's going to, he decides he's going to let it fly. He, all of a sudden he decides he's going to let it fly. And he puts it all out there. And so now the Twitter the Twitter beef becomes public, right? Like now it's a public discussion that they're having, right? Like before they're on the phone, each one in their house kind of talking to each other. Now they're at the schoolyard talking to each other. And now, now a, a crowd has gathered, i.e. you and me. Right? <laughs> you and me and and my brother and all of Twitter. And so now we're all hearing these comments go back and forth. And we're hearing this DM conversation. And it's just not pretty. And quite frankly, it's not a good look for either one of them. I, I mean... I don't, I don't lay blame. I don't think one is worse than the other for being in this Twitter beef. Right? I just think it's dumb. Especially because I think these guys are kind of... Had been in the past... Had been friendly to each other. Like, you know, Michael Rappaport's a big time New York guy. He hangs around a lot. He goes to the Garden. And he, you know... He does the Celebrity All-Star Games. And, and, you know, hangs out with the the NBA crowd at, you know, All-Star Weekend and things like that. So, they've crossed paths before. And they know each other, and I think they've been friendly with each other. But for some reason, this thing just got out of hand. And I tell you what, in the end, I think most of us are going to feel stupid talking about this because I think it may very well be a work. Like, I think Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant have just put on a work. Just, I don't know why they would, but they did it. They did it maybe for funsies. I don't know. It's not a very good work. It's just not that good, right? I mean, Durant telling him he's going to beat his ass when he sees him. And it's like, I don't know if Michael Rappaport can fight, but I ain't seen Kevin Durant fight. And certainly Kevin Durant will have the reach advantage, but I mean, those legs don't look all that solid. You know what I mean? Like, it might be tough for him to, you know, 
How much power is he generating off those skinny little legs? I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not handicapping this fight, but I hear the odds are about even money. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know if they have odds or not. But so they, they just get into this ridiculous, this ridiculous Twitter beef, and you know now you've got Rappaport making the rounds on. Fox Sports or on ESPN, you know, the, the morning shows, talk shows, and he's talking about how his feelings are hurt. And it, it, this is all, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. The NBA has fined Kevin Durant $50,000 for social me- for his derogatory social media comments, which I, I don't understand that either. You got guys that are make, saying some really nasty shit on Twitter Right, like the guy in Miami that made the anti-Semitic comments or whatever. I mean, you got there's been a couple of incidents, instance, instances this year where guys have said some shit that, that is really wrong uh, on Twitter, and I haven't heard anything about any fines. But somehow Durant, for getting into a, a DM spat with a comedian, with an actor, warrants a fifty thousand dollar fine. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and. I I almost think that they are working us. I almost think that they are working us. In fact, the more that I think about it, I think they're working us. I think they're going to come out and hold hands and sing Kumbaya and everything's going to be okay. I think they're friends. Guys, stop. Just stop with the Twitter beef. Just stop. You know... If you're a true tough guy, you'll say it face-to-face, and that'll be the end of it. You won't spout off on some DM. You know? It's just... It's dumb. It's dumb, but it is kind of funny. And if you see Michael Rappaport on TV talking about, you know, he can't walk his dog in his neighborhood because people are looking at him funny, I mean, it's... It's kind of funny. I mean, this dude, look, you're a grown-ass man. You're the one that puts your... Freaking DM Twitter beef out there. And now you can't handle people not talking to you. And people calling you cupcake at Starbucks and shit. Come on, you, bro, you're a grown-ass man. You know, I mean, come on. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Let's move on to something more positive. Something better. Something more fun. The baseball season kicked off. We are less than a week into the baseball season. It kicked off on April 1st. And no, it was not an April Fool's joke. Although for some teams, it was. For the Mets and the Nationals, the season started April 1st. But April Fool's, your season does not start until later because the Nationals have a bunch of COVID cases. So the Mets and the Nationals got to watch everyone partake of the fun that is the first weekend of baseball. And... They, they got to do nothing but watch TV and sit in a hotel and quarantine and all that jazz. Stay away from people and blah, 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 blah. Really unfortunate for those two teams. But, look, we had some, some fun baseball over the weekend. A couple of things I want to touch on. A couple of things that I've noticed here in this first week of the season. We had a dual no-hitter going. Minnesota-Milwaukee. Both starting pitchers, no-hitters through six. It fell apart in the seventh and eighth. But it was fun while it lasted. Think about that. Two no-hitters going on at the same time. I have never been to a baseball game and seen a no-hitter. I've never been to a baseball game and seen a grand slam. So if two of them had happened at once, I'd have been pissed. Because, like, save one for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do both of you have to do it at the same time? It's only happened once in baseball in baseball history, where both pitchers have thrown nine in and no hitters. Uh, eventually, uh, one pitcher continued pitching. This is back in the 40s or 50s, you know, when pitchers actually pitched nine innings, which obviously never happens now. Um, <clears throat> one pitcher actually pitched until the 11th and ended up losing the game in the 11th. The other pitcher gave up a hit in the 10th, and then it was a combined one-hitter uh pitching into the 11th and stuff. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of how that that shook out the one time that it happened. Uh, but, look, for two-thirds of a game, we had it happening in Minnesota and Milwaukee. And unfortunately, it did not happen all the way, but it was fun while it lasted, right? Uh, 
it was a lot of fun to watch. <clears throat> uh, my second takeaway, and actually this should have been my first takeaway because you guys know that I'm a big, and I never say his first name because I don't know how to say it, but I am a big Otani fan. I love what this guy is doing. Three years ago when the Angels won the sweepstakes to sign him, right, when they bid him out of Japan, I was super excited about the guy, right? For those of you that don't know, Otani is a an outfielder and a pitcher. And he's, a, and he's a starting pitcher. So, uh, when the Angels got him, they said they were going to use him as a pitcher and as a DH and as an outfielder. Now, the first year he got injured. The second year, um, <clears throat> I think he had some other injury issues. Last year was kind of wonky. But this year, the Angels have a new manager. They've got uh, Joe Madden. And Joe Madden, you, you guys know what Joe Madden is like. He's a little... He's a little out there. He's a little uh, <clears throat> he's a little eccentric, but he's willing to push the envelope and see what happens. And so he has said that Otani will be part of the rotation and he will play in between starts. And he will DH or he'll play outfield or first base, but he's going to play and he's going to be an important piece of the team. Now, when the Angels got him three years ago, I said, if this guy is a 280 hitter, and, and plays 130 games, and he, if he gets 20 starts and he's 6-6 six and six or 7-7 seven and seven with a, a, a 4.0 ERA, he's the MVP. End of story. I don't care what Mike Trout does. I don't care what Bellinger does. I don't care what Aaron Judge does. I don't care what Altuve does. If a guy throws 20 starts and plays 130 games in the field and he's got decent numbers, he's the MVP. He's the MVP. How many other guys are doing it? None. Okay, if you're one of one, you're the MVP. It's just that simple. If you're the only guy doing it, you win the MVP. That's it. That Case closed for me. Well, last night he took the bump <clears throat> for the Angels, and he batted second. And he, you know, he obviously played it Thursday and Friday, and now, uh, now he's coming up on Sunday. He pitches on Sunday. He pitched well. He left the game. It was tied 3-3. He hit a home run in his first at-bat. So this guy has the distinct honor of being the first starting pitcher to hit a home run in the DH era. That's since 1973, boys and girls. For those of you that are not good at math, that is 48 years ago. So in the last, let's call it 50 years, let's call it my lifetime. In my lifetime, no starting pitcher has ever hit a home run in an American League game with the DH. Not one. Until last night. And Otani is now number one. In the top of the first, that dude humped a 100-mile-an-hour fastball past somebody. And then in the bottom half of the inning said, you know what? I like pitching with the lead. Let me go ahead and give myself a 1-0 lead right here and crank the pitch into the right field seats. It was must-watch TV. And I said this when they when they drafted him three years ago. He is going to be must-watch TV. And you add to that Mike Trout and the Angels are must-watch TV. I, I'm a huge Mets fan. I could care less what the Angels do this year. But I'll tell you right now, if the Angels are on TV, I'm watching. Because if the Otani and Trout show, if the Trout and Otani show goes off all season long, it is going to be the best storyline of the season. The absolute best storyline of the season. And I'm here for it. I love it. I absolutely love that what this guy's doing. I love that man's going to give him a chance to do it. I love that they're trying to do this. And he's good. He's good. So buckle up, boys and girls, and have fun watching the Trout Otani show. It should be Trout Otani, right? I mean, Trout's been there a lot longer. So it's got to be Trout Otani. <clears throat> what else do we have from the first week in baseball? Boston. Boston. We have a problem. 
When you get drubbed three games at home by the Baltimore Orioles, I understand it's the first week of the season. I understand it's the first three games. I understand there's 159 games left. Look, I'm not yelling fire in the movie theater. However, there might be a fire in the movie theater. Something needs to change. Yikes. I didn't expect the Red Sox to be terribly good this year. But when you get drubbed, and I mean drubbed, three games at home by the Baltimore Orioles? They got outscored 18-5 to over the weekend. That doesn't sound like a lot. But that's the average of 6-2. You're not, it's not like you lost a couple of one-run games and got blown out once. You're not doing well. I worry about the Red Sox this year. Another team that is going to be fun to watch is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. George Springer is out. But when George Springer gets back, listen to this lineup. you got George Springer, fun guy to watch. You've got Bichette, fun guy to watch. You've got Biggio, fun guy to watch. You've got Guerrero, fun guy to watch. That's a fun lineup. Now, are they going to be good enough to make the playoffs? I don't know. I think they'll be sniffing the outer edge of it, but they're still going to be fun to watch. Not as good as Trout Otani, but they will be fun to watch. Catch the Jays whenever you can. Um, What else? Hey, for everyone who likes to hate, y'all can go ahead and keep hating the Houston Astros because they look like they mean business this year. I Again, I, I understand. It's four games. There's 158 games left in the season. I get it. I get it. But they beat up on a good Oakland A's team. And when I say beat up, I mean beat up. They outscored them 35-9 in a four-game sweep over the weekend. Yikes. Yikes. That lineup looks like it's ready to go, which means all of you Astro haters, come on down. Um, the Phillies swept the Braves over the weekend, which that, you know, it's funny. I'm talking about sweeps here, right? A little bit of concern for the Red Sox getting swept by the Orioles, uh, a little bit of, uh, awe for the Astros sweeping through Oakland four games. This one, I don't feel the same way. Um, the Braves are still a real good baseball team. The Phillies are a good baseball team. That is going to be a very interesting division to watch. I think this may be the most fun division to watch this year uh, because I think the Mets are really good, the Braves are really good, I think the Phillies are good, and uh, and, you know, and the Nationals are no slouch. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a race this year between those four teams. I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so while hats off for the Phillies, it's a good start to the season, a three-game win streak. Never, never, never gonna be mad at that. I wouldn't get too excited. And on the flip side, if you're the Braves, three-game sweep not the best way to start the season, but I wouldn't get too worried either. So we'll just move on move on down the road with that. The last thing I want to touch on, it's very, very rare that people get heated in April, right? Baseball is a, baseball is a kind of game where, you know, you play almost every day, right? You play... You know, you probably play 19 out of 20 days, right? In any given 20-day span, you play 19 times. You get a day off once every three weeks about. That's about what it works out to. Unless COVID pops and you get three days off like the Mets and Nationals did. But, you know, you play every single day. It's a bit of a grind. And so I think it's a I think baseball players in general just have a certain a certain amount of patience for things that they don't exhibit in other sports, right? So, you know, if someone says something, if someone does something, eh, people don't tend to get hot and bothered by it in April, right? And they seem to have a lot of patience at this point. Well, apparently that's not going to be the case between the Reds and the Cardinals. Division rivals. Uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, whenever it was, Cardinals pitcher... Threw one high and tight and actually ended up hitting um, hitting Nick Castellanos in the upper arm shoulder area. Um, and it was a I mean it was a it was a dead red fastball. It looked intentional, but it's hard to tell. Um, 
But I mean, he threw it. He threw it right at him. So either it slipped, or he did it on purpose. I don't know. The guy didn't look particularly hacked off. Nothing had happened up until that point. He hadn't said anything. He didn't. He didn't apologize. But you know, pitchers don't apologize. But he didn't do anything after he hit him. It's and Castellanos gave him the stare down and. Molina got up and got in between them, and everything seemed to be fine. Now, Castellanos did walk over and pick up the ball and offer it to the pitcher, you know, kind of underhanded. Not like he was like he was wanting almost to hand it to him, which that was kind of odd, and that had a little bit of machismo to it, right? A little bit of bravado type thing to it. But I've seen worse. It's not a big deal, right? But he walks on over to first. Eventually, he makes it over to third. And the same pitcher uncorks a wild pitch. And when I say uncorks a wild pitch, he threw it in in the right-handed batter's box. He threw it wide of that. That's how far out he threw it. And... Obviously, it didn't. It didn't touch anything. It just sailed, and so Molina hustled back. He hustled to cover the plate. Castellanos came in. Castellanos scored, not in time. The pitcher kind of fell on his butt as he's trying to catch and tag and all this. And Castellanos sliding into him. He's sitting on his butt. Castellano gets up, gets in his face, and he yells. I don't know if he flexed and yelled, "Let's go!" and yeah, obviously still hot about being hit, which, okay, I kind of get it or whatever. The pitcher got up, people started jawing at each other, and next thing you know, everyone's coming out of the dugout, and we've got benches cleared, but as is typical in these baseball fights, not a punch was thrown, I don't even think a yo mama crack was made, You know, I mean, you know how these fights go with baseball, they're kind of... You don't get a whole lot of swinging. You may get a little pushing and shoving, but you know, guys kind of come together. Uh, you know, they share stock tips. They they ask how spring training went. I mean, it's just it ends up being much ado about nothing. But we've got our first spat of the season, and MLB has suspended Castellanos two games for kind of inciting the whole thing, right? Which I don't have a problem with it. Chances are he's gonna. Actually, no chance. 100% he's going to appeal it. And there's a good chance that it'll probably get reduced, right? It'll either get reduced down to one game or maybe no games and a hefty fine. Six other players were fined probably for sharing stock tips without their mask on or whatever the, whatever social distancing rules MLB has. I mean, it, 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 again, it, this is another one that, that it really isn't much ado about nothing. You know, should Castellanos have gotten suspended? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Two games for for you know yelling at somebody. I guess you know because he didn't follow social distance procedures protocol. Maybe he deserved a little suspension. I'm kidding. It's it's too much. There's no need. There's no need for all of that. But look, he's going to appeal it. It's going to get reduced. If I had to guess, I would say it's going to get reduced. Not a big deal. He'll get a day off somewhere in the next couple of weeks. Not a big deal. I promise you. It's not a big deal. Uh, <clears throat> the Cardinals did not look very good over the weekend. And the Reds look decent. Uh, so it certainly hurts the Reds more than the Cardinals. But, you know, whatever. And and look, here's the thing. Here, here's the other thing. And, and this is the old school guy in me, right? While I understand that Castellanos didn't like getting hit, it didn't hit him in the face. It hit him in the upper arm. I get it. That's high, right? Whatever. But, dude, as much armor as that guy had on, part of the reason there was such a conversation between him and Molina after he got hit was because he had to take off 16 different pieces of equipment that he's he's basically protecting half of his body. Right, the hat that shows off to the pitcher, he's got something on. He's got the elbow pad, the shoulder pad, the the, the arm brace, the the shin guard, the toe guard. I mean, he's got all these these 
all this body armor on, he's okay. He didn't get hurt. It's not a big deal. Right? So maybe MLB, you know, suspended him two games really for overreacting. Because it's just ridiculous. So, you know, next time don't look, if you're gonna get pissed, at least don't have any body armor on. You know what I mean? Like how much could it have possibly hurt? It hit him in a pad. What's the big deal? I mean, you're a grown-ass man. It's not that big a deal. Even if it was on purpose, who cares? Go to first. Toss the bat. Take off all of your body armor. I think they should make him keep the body armor on. Whatever you walk up to the plate with, you have to keep on until you get back to the dugout. They don't, they don't, they don't toss their helmet away when they get to first base. Why do they have to toss off all that other stuff? That's the other thing. If you want to wear that stupid oven mitt, you got to wear it at the plate. Whatever you're wearing when you go up to bat, you must keep on until you round the bases or until you're out and you get back to the dugout. So if you got these guys that want to wear the oven mitt, which again I think is dumb, you got to wear it to bat. And the body armor, you got to run around the bases with it. Just like the helmet. Just like the helmet. The mouth guard or whatever whatever the hell, you know, the, the specs glasses, the special goggles you got. I mean, whatever you wear up to the plate, then you got to run around the bases with that. And it, you can't put it on when you get to second and when you get to first. You walk up to the plate. What you're wearing at the plate, that's what you wear all the way around the bases. There you go. Wouldn't that be funny to see these guys swinging with an oven mitt? I would love to see that because I hate the oven mitt. I think it's I think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Absolutely dumb. Anyway, alrighty, folks. <clears throat> I think you have heard enough from me. As always, thank you very much for listening, commenting, liking, subscribing, emailing, DMing, whatever it is that you do to interact with us, whatever it is that you do to consume our show. We really appreciate it. Hopefully Alex will be back next week. But until then, folks, ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.